All right. Am I on? I just need to get the PowerPoint display up here and we'll get going. Uh, if you're a visitor, and I don't see anyone off the top of my looking here that has not uh, at least been here before, but if you are visiting this is your first time, we are, as was mentioned, looking for a preacher, or actually have uh, most likely found a preacher, and we will uh, be bringing him in uh, within a few months at least. Until that time, members of this congregation have uh, been given the opportunity to speak before you, and uh, I am one of those, and I thank you for the opportunity and for you giving your ear and lending your ear to hearing what I uh, have prepared and, and uh, will present to you today. The lesson today is called Finding Your Soulmate, and it comes from uh, the passage that was read uh, by, uh, for us a few minutes ago. And in this passage, we find that God is talking about finding the one we love. And we talk about finding our soulmate. There's a lot of different ideas regarding what that means. What occurs to me, and why I came up with this sermon, is I was watching a television show called The Good Place. Some of you may have seen this show. Some of you may, uh, are aware of it. I didn't want to watch the show at first. I actually was averse to it. Uh, I'm not too big on uh, comedy shows, especially comedy shows that want to talk about heaven and make fun of heaven. And I usually find them to be obnoxious and infuriating at best. But my daughter insisted I needed to watch it. I had to see it. So I turned it on and found out that the show is actually more of a, a poor man's philosophy class than it is about heaven. And that's really what it is. And if you really want to hear some interesting philosophy, that's a good show to go to, just to get a rudimentary idea of what philosophies are out there. And what happened is, as I was watching this show, it kept bringing up things where I would listen to them and asking these questions from Kant and, and, and gentlemen that are philosophers in philosophy, and I'm going, I can answer that. I've got an answer for that. The answer is always found in one place. It's found in the Bible. All their questions, all their philosophical ponderings were easy to answer as long as they were to just admit one thing. There is a God. In this particular show, near the very end of the show, uh, one of the characters, there are four main characters that are looking for the good place. And they're actually terrible people. And the one is looking for his soulmate. And he says to the demon slash angel slash, it's very confusing, creature named Michael. He says, is there such a thing as a soulmate? I came here looking for a soulmate. Is there such a thing as a soulmate? And he says, uh, Michael says to him, if soulmates do exist, they are not found, they are made. People meet. They get a good feeling, and then they get to work. Then they get to work building a relationship. And I went, oh, pause. And I just thought about that. And there's a lot of great nuggets of wisdom found in this show, unintentional, I'm sure, by the writers. And I went to thinking, well, what does that mean to us? What does that mean when I say I'm looking for a soulmate? Obviously, I'm not talking about finding a soulmate, my wife. I'm not looking for someone to find on an the, the earthly. And that's what most people are thinking of. When they think of a soulmate, they think of that laundromat scene. You walk into the laundromat, and there, across the tide of, 
of washers and dryers, you see the love of your life. You run across, whisk her away, and down to the laundromat as all the people cheer. You see what I did there? I mean, that's our idea. That's what we, that's what we think of. We think of these romantic things of, of you see it, and it's love at first sight, and you just whisk them away, and it's love. And I don't believe that's true in the respect that that's all there is to it. And we'll talk about that a little bit more. What I believe is I believe in a Christian soulmate. A Christian soulmate. And that's what we're going to talk about now. And our Christian soulmate is not an earthly person. It is a godly person. Let me get my notes out because I keep looking up there. And I have my notes right here in front of me. Okay. A couple of verses that I would like to read regarding the soulmate on this. Scarcely, uh, Song of Solomon 3, 4, the first part of 3, 4. And of course, Song of Solomon is a wonderful, wonderful book. Talk about love, is it not? And we read here, Scarcely had I passed him, when I, with them, excuse me, I passed them, when I found him among my soul's loves, I held him. It would not let go. I love that passage. And then again in Isaiah chapter 54 and verse 5. For your maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name. When I want to talk about soulmates, when we're talking about soulmates today, I'm talking about finding God in your life. He is your soulmate. He is the one that you should be looking for. What do you see up there? Have you found Jesus? This phrase was a very popular phrase, and it still may be in some respects, but I haven't heard it as much on the streets. People would walk up to you, uh, and they would go, I'll just off the cuff, have you found Jesus? Have you found Jesus? And it was a very awkward way, and, and I just wanted to say, first off, the way they were approaching it was, I think, ill-advised. It almost sounded like you just stumbled upon him. Like, you're just walking along, and all of a sudden... Like a quarter on the, on the sidewalk, you went, whoo, look, Jesus. Now, I'm not saying that that phrase is improper. In fact, we find it in Scripture. We find the script, that phrase actually twice that I know of. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 17, which we had read before us. I love those who love me, and those who seek me find me. And in Jeremiah 29, verse 13, we read, You will seek me and find me. You seek me when you seek me with all your heart. So the concept of finding God or finding Jesus is not against Scripture. What the problem is, is that most of the time these people make it seem like you just happen to stumble upon him. And the phrase that is used over and over in this passage that I have underlined up there is that we need to do what? We need to seek him. In the movie Forrest Gump, Many of you have seen this movie. There's a phrase in there where uh, <clears throat> Dan, uh, uh, Sergeant Dan, goes to Forrest Gump. He's lost his legs. He's in a, in a pit of despair. And he looks at Forrest Gump and he says, Forrest, have you found Jesus? And Forrest says, uh, I didn't know I was supposed to be looking for him, sir. And while there's a humorous situation in that scene... 
what I see in this is probably one of the greater truths of why our mission work is having so much difficulty today. Because, brothers and sisters, I don't think a lot of people are looking for Jesus. I think they're looking for an answer. And they're looking in the philosophies, and they're looking in their bottles, and they're looking in their, their many areas of, of, of self-indulgence to meet those needs, but they're not finding the answer. And they don't even know that what they're looking for is Jesus. People have no clue. They don't even know who Jesus is. I forget who I was talking to, but I was speaking to someone not too long ago. No, I knew who it was. It was Ed Dyke. <laughs> and I was talking to Ed, and, and we were talking about how he has, he's dealing with people who are not as knowledgeable of the Bible as they used to be at one time. Where it's a more of an uphill battle now. Because people just don't know. They don't even know what they're looking for. They don't even know what it is. We need to be a people who understand that we have to find him. And sometimes we need to show the way. And he's not that hard to find. In Psalm chapter 19, verse 1, it says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hand. Brothers and sisters, as much as science would like to tell us about all the evolution and all that's gone on in this world, I am quick to point out, and have used many a times, this very creation of this earth to say, How can you not believe in God? As a person who is a mathematical lover, I can tell you that the probability of this earth being the way that it is, is beyond any number that anybody could ever come up with. For Jesus to fulfill all the prophecies that he fulfilled is a number that we in the math community call impossible. Not improbable, but impossible. It's one to the tenth to the hundred ninth degree. Beyond that. Beyond that. Way beyond that. The same with the uh, idea of the, uh, the bombardier beetle. We can go over and over again and say, look. We can even hear it in our televisions. Listen sometimes to, your, to those people who are like to talk to you about how the world was created. And they'll, and they'll say things like, an improbable chance this could ever happen. Or in ways that we can't understand. I don't even, I wish I would have thought of this, but there was a, um, there's a shirt or a comic out there where a guy has a bunch of equations over here, and then in the middle it says, a miracle happened, and then the rest of the equation over here. And he's trying to explain the existence of the world. And then the, other, the scientist says, you might want to explain that middle part a little bit more. But quite frankly, scientists are baffled. They're trying to come up with answers. And the reason they're not finding answers is because they're not finding God. They're not looking for God. They're looking for a soulmate. They're looking for someone who can complete them. And they're not finding it in God. Number two, we need to understand that in order to find your soulmate, there is a cost. Turn with me to a couple passages, if you would, please. First, let's begin with Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. And read with me verses 45 and 46. A 
again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who when he had found one, great of, uh, one of great price, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. Now, brothers and sisters, when we talk about this passage, oftentimes we talk about it from our point of view. From our point of view, and saying when we find something as precious as salvation, we should be willing to give up everything in order to obtain it. And I would agree with that. But brothers and sisters, have you ever considered that this passage has dual meaning? Because there is someone else who saw something that was worth, something that was beyond all worth. And he gave up everything in order to obtain it. That's Christ Jesus. It says that he came down to the earth and became as nothing. He gave up all that he had in heaven, gave it all up to die on the earth. He gave up his life on earth so that he might obtain what? Our salvation. There was a great price paid for our salvation. Likewise, if we were to turn to Luke, we find that there's a reciprocal to this. Luke chapter 9, and verse 23 through 26. Luke 9, verses 23 through 26. Then he said to them, All, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up the cross daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life and my sake will save it. For what profit is it to man if he gains the whole world and to himself destroyed or lost? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words of him, the Son of Man will be ashamed. When he comes in, he owns his own glory and his father's and of the holy angels. Brothers and sisters, we are expected, just as we usually apply to that passage in Matthew, as Luke says here, we're expected to give up everything we have. Nothing that we have on this earth is worth more than that. What do you spend the most of your time on? I would venture to say that that may possibly be the love of your life. Now you may say, well, I work. And I can promise you, Michael, that is not the love of my life. And possibly that's true. So maybe take the next thing down, the next step down. What do you spend most of your time doing? Because brothers and sisters, where we invest our time is the thing that we love the most. For some of you, the answer is my children. But for some of you, it may be television or your arts and your crafts. I'm asking you personally, not to say it to me, but to answer yourself, where am I spending all my time? Where is my efforts going to? Because that is the love of my life. And I say that to get to the last, the final point of our lesson. Our final point is, when we look at this quote one more time, what I love about what the character says is at the very end. After they get the good feeling, and that's really, isn't that love at first sight? Isn't that really what we're talking about? Some people say, I don't believe in love at first sight. I believe it's true. 
I believe that I can walk across the room and, and go, uh, not that I can anymore, <laughs> wrong, but I could have <laughs> gone across, the, looked across the room into the laundromat and said, oh, <coughs> <coughs> man, the fumes are bad in here. And then after I said that, I'd been like, oh, there's the love of my life. She's gorgeous. And she could have looked at me, and because the fumes were so bad and his misty look across the room and said, oh, he looks good too. I believe that's happened in life. <coughs> the problem is, if you were to trace those people who think they found the love of their life, true love, at the very first sighting, I would venture to say if we were to do research and track those people after they say that, not after they got divorced, we would find that their divorce rate is probably the same as anyone else. Because it's not enough just to fall in love with someone. Many of us fall in love with Christ. Many of us fall in love and say, I love God. And that's when we go down to the waters of baptism and we come up again and we go, I love God. And there's a feeling that we have, this is a euphoric feeling after we're baptized of being free of our sins and having freedom and being saved. And then over time, our, our efforts go to something else. It takes time, and we need to work at the relationship if we want it to work in our lives. If we want to have our soulmate, we need to work at it. Brothers and sisters, we need to realize that even though we're in a relationship with God, there are going to be some rough patches. James chapter 1, verse 2 says as much, and hopefully you can read that. If you can't read this quote over here, let me read this quote to you. No one falls in love by choice. It is by chance. No one stays in love by chance. It is by work. And no one falls out of love by chance. It is by choice. I love that phrase. Brothers and sisters, your relationship with God is going to call on you to climb mountains that seem unclimbable. To transverse deserts that you have to endure that seem unendurable. And to cross rivers and streams of raging water that seem uncrossable. If you are in a relationship with God. If you're in any relationship, even if you're here today and you're, you're skeptical about your decision about being a Christian, at least understand that if you're married, this, this same thing is true for you too. It's not going to be a piece of cake. There are going to be trials and tribulations. And you've got to decide, am I going to stay with God or not? Moses got to the top of the mountain. Do you know why? Because that's where God was. God, Moses crossed the desert. How did he cross the desert? By following the fire and the smoke, which was God. Moses got across the raging rivers, but only because he had God. We need to understand that in order for us to have a soulmate, we must be willing to transverse these obstacles of life together, no matter how hard it is. We say, we say, up here, 
before the people in sickness and health for richer and poorer. Do you really mean that? And have you ever considered that maybe those statements, same words, should possibly be kind of quoted when we're putting Christ on in baptism? Isn't our relationship with God, are we not, as the church, individuals in the church, brides of Christ? Some of you may be in this audience right now looking for your soulmate. Looking for that person who is going to be with you always. And it's Jesus. Even if some of the things that you hear may seem hard to understand... He's your answer. He's the one that's going to be there for you always. He is merely waiting for you to find him. When we go to the to the the book of Luke, we find that there's a story of the par- the prodigal son. And as the prodigal son is contemplating these things, where is the father? He's waiting for the son, isn't he? It's not in a laundromat. It's not in in some hard-to-find place. It's right here, brothers and sisters. And he's calling for you to get up from the pew, come forward, and say, I want him as my soulmate. Brothers and sisters, unlike the movies which are make-believe, I promise if you make that decision today, we will all cheer. Perhaps you're in this audience right now and you've put on Christ in baptism and you've, you've made that decision, but maybe your relationship with God has not been what it should be. Maybe you haven't put the effort or the work into it. Maybe you're putting more work into other things, be it your marriage or your children or other things, that you've neglected God and you just need the prayers of the congregation or you need to come forth and and repent of, of some problems in your life. Whatever the reason, please do not allow this chance, this opportunity to come forward to pass you by. Please make that decision now. It's together.